Hi, I'm Jordani Karma, and I've loved to read ever since I can remember. But somewhere between college and the real world, I miss the memo on what I could be reading as an adult. For years, I've thought of adult fiction as this book secret that everyone was in on but me. I decided to change that by focusing on fiction for a year, and choosing books based on a specific genre or theme for each month. This is season 1, episode 11 of Reading Like an Adult, and in this episode we're going to depart from of recent adult fiction for a while to talk about what happened when I started a month of reading the works of Daphne du Maurier, best known as the author of Rebecca. For the month of November in my fiction year, I penciled in a theme I'm calling The Greats. I wanted a month where I could explore a classic author's backlist and return to my roots. I hope my experience is an inspiration for you to return to an old favorite or pick up that classic that you've always meant to get around to reading. I wanted the chance to slow down in this reading month, right before the end of the year, and give myself a moment to check in with an author who was an early influence on my love of reading. I chose Daphne du Maurier as my great because I recall reading Rebecca, as well as some of du Maurier's short stories as a young teen, as formative reading experiences. I didn't know before du Maurier how a story could fascinate me, terrify me, and haunt me. If you've read Rebecca, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't yet, lucky you to have the opportunity to get to do that for the first time. I revisited Du Maurier's Dark World this month when I read The Doll, The Lost Short Stories, a book of stories that Du Maurier published in periodicals in the early 1930s and that had been out of print until this collection brought them together. If you've read anything by her, you know that Du Maurier writes unhappy people brilliantly exposing the horror in the mundane and revealing the darkest parts of human nature. And fair warning, there are many unhappy people in this short story collection. A young girl excited to come home from finishing school all grown up, only to realize that the adult world is far uglier than she was ready for. A neglected wife watching her life's happiness crumble before her eyes. And a man aflame with an obsessive love for a woman who is consumed by a darkness he'll never understand. Some of the stories are epic and dramatic, but most of them are about the ordinariness of human failing. We hurt each other in so many everyday ways, and no one captures that commonplace torment like Du Maurier. I think you are incorrigible. Good God, I hope so. Otherwise, why live? These two sentences encapsulate the spirit of Mary Ann, a sprawling and epic yet ultimately character-focused novel that's a fictionalized version of the life of Du Maurier's great-great-grandmother, Mary Ann Clark, and the second read in my month of her work. Mary Ann Clark, both in real life and in the novel, was the mistress of the Duke of York from 1803 to 1808, Du Maurier basing her book on historical records. The novel's Mary Ann sets her sights early on marrying rich and having a grand life, vowing to escape the poverty of her childhood and her mother's fate of growing old and tired before her time. Ambitious and alluring, Marianne is unforgettable to everyone she meets, and soon captivates a young man named Joseph Clark, who appears to be a man of some fortune. Unfortunately, her choice of husband turns out to be both nearly penniless and, far worse, an alcoholic who can't keep it together to support their family. Men come and go in her life, but Mary Ann controls the narrative. Her relationship with the Duke of York is an epic and scandalous affair that fascinates the country and, in a strange way, ensures her legacy. 
Whether they love her or hate her or both, no one can forget Marianne. Something fun and unexpected happened during this month of reading, a theme emerged that I hadn't planned on at all. My goal was to read as many of Dumarie's books as I could, but I'll be honest, my library stack went back unread as I picked up several other book titles that just didn't speak to me during this specific month of reading. Marianne, however, was the Dumarie read that was compelling from the very first page, and I immediately knew that this was a novel I wanted to complete during my month of reading. Around the same time, I impulsively picked up Uncanny Valley on a socially distanced library spree. A memoir that's been on my nonfiction TBR list for a while, Uncanny Valley is writer Anna Weiner's account of leaving the publishing world of New York City to try her luck in Silicon Valley, first at an analytics startup and then at GitHub before its Microsoft acquisition. Even though we've clearly had different life experiences, I found myself nodding emphatically at almost every page, because Weiner captures so well the millennial angst of hoping you will stumble into the right job that fulfills your life and gives you purpose. While I was reading Marianne and Uncanny Valley, I also started watching The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. If you haven't seen it yet, the Netflix original is set in the 50s and 60s, telling the story of orphan and chess prodigy Beth Harmon, a quietly fiery young woman focused on becoming the world's best chess player. One of the big reasons why I read so much is that I need stories to fuel my own creativity. Sometimes the stories I'm taking in come together in a serendipitous way that I didn't expect, and that's what happened in this 11th month of my year of fiction. Mary Ann Clark and Anna Weiner and Beth Harmon are three women one of them completely fictional, living very different lives in very different times, yet somehow their stories came together for me to form this theme of women fighting to navigate men's worlds. Each woman, to some extent, is told she's powerless. 19th century Mary Ann at the beginning of the story is a child trying to keep her family from starving. Using her wits and charm, Mary Ann rises to the pinnacle of society in her role as the Duke's mistress. But even when, spoiler alert, that relationship falls apart, she never gives up fighting for herself and her family. Navigating Silicon Valley in the 2000s, Anna Weiner acknowledges her own millennial failings while documenting her experiences of everyday sexism and the tech world's contempt for skills unrelated to software. Beth Harmon, Cold War orphan turned chess celebrity, sighs at her first chess tournament when she is automatically paired with the only other woman, but she quickly establishes herself as a contender who wants to talk first and foremost about the game she loves, not solely the fact that she's a young woman playing it. Besides stumbling upon this fun and unexpected reading slash watching theme, another realization that emerged during this month of exploring Dumarie's works was that Honestly, I just wanted to reread Rebecca. I had a big goal when I collected a stack of her other novels, planning to read books I hadn't picked up before, but this month wasn't the right time for those reads to click. And with everyone talking about Rebecca, thanks to the new Netflix version, I needed to visit Manderley again. Dumari writes powerful women well, and this time around, I was struck not only by the vivid second and third hand impressions left by the title character, but also by the strength and depth of the narrator, a young, sweet, naive woman who has to grow very quickly as she navigates the strange events of the book. The moment of crisis had come, and I must face it, she narrates in one of the book's climactic scenes. 
My old fears, my diffidence, my shyness, my hopeless sense of inferiority must be conquered now and thrust aside. If I failed now, I should fail forever. There would never be another chance. As someone who also tends to be shy and reserved, I found myself relating to this famously unnamed protagonist and her need for growth. For much of the book, she hides her inner monologue from the world, trying to conceal how young and afraid she feels, but only showing her hand that much more as she fumbles the simplest interactions. But once she faces that crisis moment and realizes that her love story is real and now at stake, she taps into a strength she didn't know she had. I love having a plan for my reading life and the themes I want to explore, but I've also learned during this year of reading fiction to be open to the unexpected, letting connections come together in unplanned ways, giving myself space to set on books that aren't compelling me at the time, and yes, even picking up old favorites instead of new reads if that's what I need right now. Today's reading inspiration is to find your book people, the friends and family in your life that you know will be excited for you when you find a great new read. For most of my 20s, reading was about solo trips to the library, something to do on long rides alone on the train. I didn't have any kind of book community, so my reading life existed in a quiet bubble. But like so many other people, I realized I wasn't alone once I found the right internet communities. Anne Bogle's What Should I Read Next podcast has been an invaluable resource as I expanded my reading life into the world of adult fiction, and it introduced me to a world of readers as voracious as I am. When it comes to actively talking about and recommending my favorite new reads, social media is how I connect directly with fellow friends slash readers who are always ready to talk books. I have friends who I originally met online and have since spent time with in person, who appreciate book recommendations in our Twitter direct message thread, and I created a private Facebook group specifically for my Year of Fiction project where I can post my book lists for a few friends and see what they've been reading lately. Goodreads is another fun, helpful tool where you can see what your friends have been reading and what they thought about it. I enjoy seeing the places where our tastes and interests overlap and where they don't. Plus, I get to expand my TBR list with ideas from theirs. I also write about my favorite reads in my weekly Substack newsletter, People Who Like Things, and it always brightens my day to hear from a friend who read a book based on my recommendation. Reading is technically a solitary activity most of the time, but I think the point of reading, whether it's fiction or something else, is to connect us with the rest of the world. Getting excited about a book is that much more fun when you can share it. Thanks for listening. The books mentioned in this episode were Rebecca, The Doll, The Lost Short Stories, and Mary Ann by Daphne du Maurier, and Uncanny Valley by Anna Weiner. You can visit readinglikeanadult.com for the show notes. This episode was written, narrated, and produced by me. I'm Jordan e. Karma, and I'm glad you're joining me on this reading journey. In the next and final episode of this season, our reading theme will be Classics Retold. I can't wait.